0: and restrictions apply.
1: If you you really believe that you have something that's going to help the world, then you don't apologize. You say, you're welcome that I'm bothering you right now because this is going to change the way you teach and and your students are going to love you for this and your students are going to go make six-figure incomes when they graduate and they're going to thank you for it. You're welcome for bothering you right now. Like that's that's the mentality that we as a company have around uh, our outreach approach. It's very aggressive, and we don't apologize for it.
2: For Milo, welcome to Freelance the Founder. I'm your host, Brandon Hull. On our show, we tell the real stories of regular people who've scaled businesses to be much bigger than themselves. This is season five, episode eight, which is our final episode of the season. And today you'll hear about a young man who was inspired by his brother in law, a plumber, to eventually go into business for himself, providing a digital marketing curriculum to university professors and their students makes total sense, right? Well, maybe not, but it makes for a great tale. You're listening to the story of Stuart Draper, founder of Stucat.
0: Season five of Freelance to Founder is supported by Gusto, on your own journey from freelance to founder, you'll notice that HR, payroll, and benefits can be a huge pain, which is why there's Gusto. Gusto makes it easy to scale your solo business through modern technology built specifically for small businesses just like yours. And as this season's sponsor, Gusto is offering freelance to founder listeners an exclusive deal at gusto.com FTF. Sign up using that link and you'll get three months completely free. It's a pretty big deal. Again, that's three full months completely free of Gusto HR, Payroll, and Benefits Tech at gusto.com slash FTF. This episode is supported in part by DesignCrowd. DesignCrowd helps entrepreneurs and small businesses like you outsource custom logos, business cards, and web design from top designers around the world. DesignCrowd has over 600,000 designers from Sydney to San Francisco ready to help you with your creative ideas. With DesignCrowd, get the perfect custom design every time. Freelance to Founder listeners can receive up to $100 off their design project by visiting designcrowd.com slash founder or entering promo code founder at checkout. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else, and LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive, You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro... That's hydro and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. HYDRO.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description.
2: There was a time when all you needed to start a business was a flyer. Draft up your idea into an offer with a price on a piece of paper, make some copies, post them on telephone poles around town, and you've got a business. That's how Stuart Draper started his first company, putting up Christmas lights under the creative name of the Christmas Light Guys. That short-term business that provided a cool $4,000 each to him and his partner might not have happened if it weren't for his brother-in-law, eight or nine years earlier, who was a self-employed plumber that put Stuart to work as a 12-year-old. And if neither of those things had happened, Maybe Stuart wouldn't have been able to attend Brigham Young University in Idaho, where he met Kent Lundeen, a professor in the business management department. And if that hadn't happened, I can promise you that get found first, and later, Stukend would never have happened.
1: So my first job was as a plumber. Uh, I was an apprentice plumber at just 12 years old. My brother-in-law, was a plumber and he needed a gopher basically my job was to run to and from the truck and bring him whatever pipe or pipe fitting or glue or tool he needed or dig whatever trench he needed me to dig like that was my job and uh, I just remember like one day we would leave at 3:30, another day we would leave at 5 another day we would leave at 2 and it just depended on whatever other things in life my brother-in-law had going on he has a handicapped uh, daughter that needed that where his wife just needed his help sometimes and he was able to go do that and i remember thinking holy cow someday i want to be like that because i have a dad who's awesome and he he's he's a ceo of a 600 employee trucking company but he never gets home before five and usually it's six or six thirty before he gets home and my brother-in-law he mike he's He's leaving all the time. This is awesome. And and heck, whenever I needed a vacation in the summertime to go to a wrestling camp or a reunion, like, there was that freedom that he was willing to give me, that he could give me because of his type of company. And I thought, man, someday I want to be an entrepreneur like that.
2: It wasn't his father, the CEO of a 600-employee trucking company that inspired Stewart to lead his own company though he had tremendous love and respect for that father.
1: Yeah, he had 600 employees. It was a great business. My dad's trucking company. Uh, he wasn't the founder of it, uh, so he was an employee of the family that owned this privately held trucking company. And uh, I just saw that the free he did not have the freedom. His business owned his time, and he got his two or three weeks of vacation every year. And great dad. I, I'm not trying my, my dad will listen to this, I'm sure. And he was an awesome provider for our family of eight kids. I'm number six, but it was a a very different life. And so my, my second oldest brother-in-law, he became a dentist and, uh, man, he's, he's his own boss too. Like I started seeing this pattern. My brother became an orthodontist and I was like, oh, he has his own business too. Like someday I want to end up in those shoes too right so that was how i kind of caught the bug for entrepreneurship
2: so while the entrepreneurial seeds were sown early influenced by that humble brother-in-law the harvest wouldn't come until later but not a whole lot later
1: i was trying to figure out how to make some more money in call in school and i had a buddy and he and i would always tease that someday we're going to have a, a restaurant that we'll own together and it'll be called called Stew and Ev's. And he'd say, no, it'll be Ev and Stew's. And I'd say, no, it's going to be Stew and Ev's. Uh, but no, like deep down in my soul, I knew like someday I was going to own my own business. And so I I brought the idea up to my buddy, Ev. I said, hey, we should put up Christmas lights. I heard that there are, there are people that will pay like two or 300 bucks for you to put up their Christmas lights. Two or 300 bucks when you're in college, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you're risking your life on a roof, but hey, that's good money, right? So we we started the Christmas light guys and I learned that all you need to start a business is a flyer. (laughs) So we created these flyers. I paid my little cousins to run around a neighborhood and I think I paid them with like a milkshake or something. But uh, we slammed home a bunch of people that would let us put up their Christmas lights. We made like $4,000 each in November and December while we were in college. Right. So I, I just, all of a sudden I was going, okay, that wasn't like, that was, there were things that were obstacles I overcame and ways I got creative. Like I had to borrow great uncle's truck and find a, a ladder that we, I used for the maintenance job I had that actually paid me hourly. And Like, figure those kinds of things out. But we just put together the flyer and had a business in one night.
2: And from that came the first big lesson in turning his small idea into a company. You've got to be willing to sell.
1: The bug really bit me then as well that I had proved to myself with a small venture that I could generate clients and revenue and figure out customer support and figure out taxes and figure out all that, that other stuff along the way. I think for every budding entrepreneur, it's really important that you go find a way to generate sales, prove interest, prove there's a market, prove that you know how to support that market, and then once you've generated that first revenue, then go figure out the paperwork and the legal stuff. That stuff doesn't have to happen right away. You can figure that stuff out over time. I think too many people are afraid of, and they never start their first business because they think they have to have all of that stuff figured out perfectly before they take that first step of actually doing something for their customers.
2: Fueled by the income from his Christmas lights business, Stewart was further inspired by a professor he encountered in a class on database marketing.
1: Yeah, so when I was in college, Kent Lundeen taught me digital marketing. It was a small class. It was actually called database marketing. They hadn't even renamed the course because of the catalog system in universities. And, uh, but he taught us how to write a Google ad in that class. And I, lights just went off constantly for me in that class. Like the ways that you can make money online now are awesome. This was back in 2007. Google AdWords was only like two or three, maybe four years old at the time. Uh, and people, it was Wild West territory. It was easy for businesses that figured it out to make money because so few businesses had figured it out and decided to invest in it. And um, but anyway, Kent Lundin gave me that experience. That's why the name of my company is Stu Kent today. Uh, it's it's in his honor for having taught me that. And uh, that's how I had the skill set, you know, gained the plumbing experience as a kid, gained the digital marketing experience like r- right as I'm about to graduate in 2007.
2: We'll get to that in just a short bit, the founding and scaling of Kent But there were lessons for Stuart to learn and later pass on to us first. So after graduating from BYU-Idaho, Stuart took a job in sales.
1: Yep. sold a property. Pro- I sold the property management software for a startup and I learned the hard way that startups don't always make it, right? I watched a CEO, brilliant man, doing a lot of good things, overhire, uh, bloat his company, uh, and create too high of a burn rate for his funding. And he, When funding didn't come through one Friday, I had a terrible experience that I'll never forget where he called us all in a room and said, I'm really sorry. We've ran out of funding. We thought more money would have come by now, and those deals haven't come to fruition. So uh, we have no way to payroll today. We don't have a way to pay you for the last two weeks, so don't stick around. Uh, If you chose to come back on Monday, we would would love you for it, but we understand you mostly likely won't. And if we ever get more money, we promise we'll pay you back. That was, that was a, yeah, going home with your wife, right fresh out of college. And explaining that situation, that's a scary one and one you never want to go through. But, uh, and that was obviously just more motivation for me to go find my own way to be my own boss and control my own destiny rather than rely on the man to provide a paycheck for me every two weeks. Luckily, my wife and I were managing apartments, so we were living rent free, and I got paid for my hours at night helping. Because I remember, because I plumbed as a young kid, so I had that skill and I could go and fix a dishwasher or a, a disposal uh, and, and make a little extra money that way. So I had that. Plus, my brother-in-law was a dentist in Salem, Oregon, StonesFamilyDental.com. And those guys had three record-breaking months of new patients because I was moonlighting, uh, obviously a hustler, right? I was working full-time, leading the sales team at this startup that fledged, that fledged along. And um, I was also doing the maintenance for the apartment complex we managed, And I was moonlighting for my brother-in-law that's a dentist with his Google ads. But because of his success and because I was doing that, when the job went away, that moonlighting became my bread and butter.
2: That moonlighting was a saving grace for him, beyond the humble income he earned from his part-time apartment management
1: job. I just decided I would go and find other dentists that I could help with their Google ads. And because he had such good success, it was a great testimonial, I was off to the races. And I didn't make a ton that first year. But again, because I was managing apartments, I could bootstrap and slowly grow that business.
2: Just one brother-in-law as a client doesn't cut it, it turns out. So Stuart branched out and did work for a couple more dentists and then bit the bullet and took a trip to Arizona for a dental conference. When we come back, you're going to hear what happened to his small niche agency called Get Found First and how the idea and growth for
0: Stuken kicked into gear. Today's episode is sponsored by .tech domains. Finding a short, memorable, and creative domain is no longer a hassle with the .tech domain extension. In fact, .tech is short, easy to remember, and it's one of the hottest new trends among the big and small brands around the world. For example, CES, the world-famous consumer electronics show, recently moved from .org to .tech to give their brand that extra bit of relevance. Leading startups are using tech too, raising millions in funding and building the future on .tech domains. If you're looking to start something of your own, use a .tech domain to create a strong brand. Save a whopping 90% on one-year and five-year registrations by visiting get.tech and using promo code MILO. That's G-E-T dot and promo code M-I-L-L-O. Thanks again to this season's sponsor, Gusto. If you're ready to scale your solo business, but you're worried about the complicated details behind hiring, HR, payroll, or benefits, Gusto can help. They've built some incredible technology to ensure you get HR and payroll right as you grow. You can get three free months of gusto by visiting gusto.com slash FTF. That's g com slash FTF. We'd also like to thank Design Crowd for their support of this episode. Everyone knows if you're going to take your solo business more seriously, you need to look professional. With Design Crowd, hire talented designers from Sydney to San Francisco to help you design your business cards, website, or even your logo you'll get the perfect custom design every single time. Save up to $100 by visiting designcrowd.com founder or entering promo code founder at checkout.
2: Welcome back. Stuart Draper attended a dental conference in Arizona where he sold more clients on the idea of letting him run their digital marketing campaigns. Before he knew it, he had a digital marketing agency that had a neat little niche carved out. Not that he was getting rich from it yet, though.
1: No doubt. I mean,. Um, I looked back at my tax records just for fun and in that first year I made like $17,000 I think it was <laughs> and, like not enough to justify continuing going after this business uh, by the way later I found out that uh, in in its first year Under Armored only did about 17000 in revenue so there are success stories that start making just a little bit of money so I talked my wife who, if you're a married entrepreneur, uh, this is stuff if you're not married yet as an entrepreneur, you need to like make this a part of the interview with your future spouse, like can you hack what it takes to be married to an entrepreneur that's going to take big risks and be willing to go on on not making a lot of money for a lot of years in order to get the business off the ground? Like my wife was a, a, a huge support to me big fan and cheerleader for me, and she trusted me. Stewart has a
2: phrase that he used with me several times in our conversation. Pay the tuition. He has a belief that one has to be willing to literally pay their dues, to pay for the education they're going to get in the early days of doing any kind of freelance work, side gigs, or startup company.
1: Uh, when I say that, pay the tuition, I mean, go get the experience. So we started very focused at Get Found First. Get Found First is a pay-per-click uh, advertising company uh, specializing in helping. We, we started by specializing in just helping dentists with their Google Ads and their Google Maps listings. Like that was, that was it. That was all we did for people. And so because of that, the few dentists that really needed that service that were really hurting for it knew that we did exactly that and had other people telling them, Yes, Get Found First does a good job of just that. Like That did really well for us. And now they're at Google. I sold that business in 2015. They're a Google premier partner now and doing wonderful things with 30 employees owned by Perfect Point Marketing. And they still uh, run under both the GetFoundFirst.com and Perfect Point Marketing brands.
2: All right. So Stuart sells his agency, but sometime during his run with Get Found First, before he sold it, he was able to leverage his expertise into an adjunct faculty role back at his alma mater, BYU-Idaho. There was only one problem.
1: Yeah, so I was asked to come back to my alma mater, having been running a digital marketing agency, to come back and teach digital marketing. And as I was teaching digital marketing at the university level, I realized that the curriculum I was working with was outdated. And I and I had inherited the curriculum because I was just teaching as an adjunct faculty member, uh, replacing my my former professor, and I realized, man, there's got to be a better way to do this, right? It's the same same story every entrepreneur shares so there's got to be a better way. And started interviewing and talking to other professors, asking them, hey, how are you teaching digital marketing? Uh, one of the professors said, well, if you built a simulation where students could like practice writing and running their own online ad campaign, I would totally use that. So we listened to like, we called over a hundred professors, asked them what they were doing, when I realized, kind of, I was onto this idea of being able to help educators teach the sub-tough subject of digital marketing over and over again. We heard something that's more up to date, something that gives hands-on learning experience. And so we would ask them, "So if we built this, would you use it?" And we got these pre-sales from that.
2: Stuart, you help educators help students. Did I get that right? So your focus is on the educational institutions themselves. That seems like a tough sell.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we provide up-to-date courseware on the subject of digital marketing. See, a lot of our professors that use the the StuCamp platform when they were in school, uh, digital marketing didn't exist, the internet didn't exist. To shift and have to teach this tough subject, they needed a savior, someone to come in and give them the material that would make them look good in front of these students that are now digital natives, meaning they were born with a phone in their hand. Uh, And so it's an intimidating thing for these professors. And so we're coming in and saying, hey, let us give you all of the courseware you need so you can be the expert still and still do a good job of teaching the in-person way at a traditional university, rather than simply replacing the professor by making the material available online. And we do make it available online, but It's a part of what the professor introduces to the students, not something students go find instead of finding an institution or a professor.
2: This sounds clever, right? And one of a kind, instead of marketing students buying a $200 text that will be out of date within a year, you buy his online courseware that you then have access to forever, that has built-in simulations that you literally can't find elsewhere, and that your professor has endorsed and is using to help teach you how to be a great marketer. If you agree that this sounds way too cool, you might also be wondering, like I did, how do you sell this? How do you get clients? How do you get professors and universities to say yes? And what can I learn from this?
1: So it's a great battle because once you overcome it, the barrier to entry that you've created from other competitors is awesome, no doubt. But Uh, For us, we actually, so I I had this question that you've just asked over and over again from investors, because we raised just shy of a million dollars in funding for Stuken. And one of the things that these uh, investors would ask me is, well, you're going to have to go through like a two or three year sales cycle because you have to talk to like the president of the school and get their buy off on this. And we were, we weren't unsure of that because it wasn't my background, right? I, I was a digital marketer, but I wasn't in the higher ed publishing world by any means. And we found that we can go direct to the instructor and at the higher ed level, the instructor has autonomy to select whatever courseware they want to use for their class. They don't have to get approval from anyone else. And um, there isn't a need to worry about um, the curriculum being like accredited or anything like that. Accreditation happens at the university level based on other criteria, not based on curriculum. And those were things that the investors were hitting me, hitting me hard with. And I learned those answers fast because I didn't think I was gonna get funding. And luckily I learned the right answers and we were able to find that, yeah, we could talk to a professor in July and they could say, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna use to teach and I've just, just been assigned to teach digital marketing this fall. And they could actually sign up a month later and we had a very short sales cycle sometimes. As an entrepreneur, you kind of have to pick your battles, and we found that there was a lot of good, free, and great material online for learning digital marketing if you wanted to go scour the web yourself. After that market, we knew that professors were struggling to teach this subject to the students that were coming to them for that knowledge, and so we went to that person, that professor that needed help, and said, hey, we've got exactly what you need to, to remedy and solve your problems. And they came running, and their students keep coming back semester after semester to them and are singing their their, their professor's praise now. Sure, they, they like Stukant, but we're, we're sidelined. The professor is the one that we're making look good, and that's why they love us, because Their students are now getting jobs at Google and Amazon and eBay and all these other high-level brands because of the knowledge they're gaining from our platform as a part of their university education.
2: That leads to another big lesson for Stuart. Pre-sell your services. Pre-sell your products, no matter what they are. But, heck, even before doing that, Stuart had to write his curriculum. He was providing online courseware, after all. And there was a major pothole looming in the path ahead.
1: Uh, The first one was coming up with a co-author because, again, I kind of had this fear that I couldn't do it on my own. And I needed someone else to come and hold my hand and be with me on this journey of writing a textbook that we would update twice a year. And I found that um, the simulation was ready to rock and roll, no book yet. So we decided to let that let some schools use just the simulation without a book, that professor, that first professor, Jeff Larson, that used our simulation liked it. And in that process of liking it said, you know what? I just had a call with the, some of the board members from our, our Marriott School of Business down here at BYU, and they are willing uh, to give me some time to write this book. They They want me to put more time into this.
2: It would be a whole other episode to talk about how Stuart built relationships with others that he could leverage as contributors to his curriculum and to the online courseware itself, since he knew he couldn't go it alone. But in short, he did say this about that.
1: Yep. So at the early stage, you team up with other. If you're not a, a developer founder, a tech founder, then you need to... Team up with the right folks that can help you. Uh, because of my background at Get Found First, I knew how to network really well online, and I knew how to hire developers. In my case, I found through Twitter developers in Romania that had the skill set I needed, and they built exactly what uh, what I was dreaming up. And so, took that, and that was. Uh, they rebranded it under the StuCamp brand, what they had already been working on, and that's where the first version came from that we used as, at a pilot school. Back, it's called Real Deal Simulation. Some will remember that. So it gives students 50 grand in simulated ad dollars to practice writing and running an online ad campaign for a fictitious company called Kent's Camera Castle, and they are. Uh, assigned to sell these cameras and we get we use the google ads data s- direct from google around how many times per month a keyword is searched how much the top three advertisers are currently paying to rank on the first three spots of the google page of search results for those keywords and then they they actually get to go write their own ads create their own landing pages set their own bids on the keywords they're going to pay to advertise on and uh it's an amazing real world experience. If you go to stucat.com, you can see uh, more about it there.
2: Now, how does one go from an initial group of 15 or so beta customers who are ready to pay to where he is today? Just four years later, which is over 4 million in annual sales, over 1500 educational institutions on board so far in 2018, and the number 268 slot on the Inc 500 list what's on the list of strategies and action items i could almost wrap up the episode with stewart's straightforward
1: answer sales that's how you do it sales like um i i don't think that i re i didn't back when i had get found first and i was bootstrapping i was like all about word of mouth never blast an email to anyone that didn't know me and know and hadn't heard about how great of work I did. And the the mentality there is great because it's high quality service. You're providing uh, a lot of real value without, and you're only doing it when someone's asking you for it. And what I learned was that when you have a first in the world product, no one's asking you for it. No one is searching online for it. Uh, You have to go to them and get in their face and say, hey, I have something that's gonna make your life so much easier and it's gonna change your students' lives. Like this, give me 15 minutes of your time to show you. And so we found different ways to do that. If you you really believe that you have something that's gonna help the world, then you don't apologize. You say, you're welcome that I'm bothering you right now because this is gonna change the way you teach and and your students are gonna love you for this and your students are gonna go make six figure incomes when they graduate and they're gonna thank you for it. You're welcome for bothering you right now. Like, That's that's the mentality that we as a company have around uh, our outreach approach. It's very aggressive and we don't apologize for it.
2: Stewart says that when you're selling a new idea or a new service, you have to be willing to aim low with your pricing early on to attract those early adopters. You have to have stories to tell potential customers down the road And that starts by selling people early on for slightly less than you want to make from your product or service later.
1: They're happy to pay it. We probably underpriced initially, but I think that's a great, a great mistake to make. Um, When you, you do want to get to a point where you can start to hear some no's. But in the beginning, if you just have a lot of yeses, it gives you a chance to. By the way, when you price too low, you get too many, like as you get all the yeses that you possibly can. I think too low. And um, that growth though, being able to say 70 schools are using it. And then the next year being able to say 300 schools are using it, including Harvard and Stanford and UCLA. Like it makes selling so much easier. And if you raise your price, those schools that hear that Harvard and UCLA are using it at the higher price point go Harvard and UCLA must be justifying that price point too. So this makes sense for us, right? So that was the pricing strategy we took and it worked really well.
2: If he had to do it all over again, what would he do differently or more of early on?
1: I would have raised more money and hired twice as many salespeople. I would have also hired um, more, develop, more senior level developers. I do not have a programming mind. I am not a programmer and I naturally think quite different than developers. And so managing developers, working with developers has been a great challenge with all sorts of difficulties along the way. The first developers that we worked with in Romania, uh, we no longer work with and that cutting ties with them was a challenge. But I think with all all the problems that you're going to deal with as an entrepreneur, you just have to go into it reminding yourself that there's going to be real benefits later because I'm going through this challenge, whatever that challenge is.
2: So what advice would he give a freelancer who's ready to pivot from offering their expertise to others to using their expertise to build their own thing? What are the things they should do first?
1: a market of customers that want what you can give them specifically. So so you you might have a product or service or that you provide that is not unique, but you can go and put things together that no one else has done before that a market may be dying to have if you can go create it for them. So I would say go find that what that market is begging from you that you can give that market and then go find ways to do it like no one else can do it and do it for them. Part of it's serendipity. Um, part of it is um, being in the right place at the right time. I, as I wrestled in high school, and you look at what happens in the wrestling world, it's a hard world to, to live in, it's so dang hard. and. Uh, one of the signs on the wall at the wrestling club I went to said, "Luck is when hard work and opportunity meet." You may have heard that saying before. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you you can't force it. You can't make an, a market exist that really needs what you want, and then make this first in the world thing that didn't exist before out of thin air. Like you have to be able to work hard and wait for that quote unquote lucky moment when opportunity arrives. And jump on it. When you have the right opportunity and it presents itself, if you've been working hard, like I had been on Get Found First all those years, then when the right opportunity comes, you'll recognize it and you can jump on it. And you will create your own luck.
2: And that's the story of Stuart Draper, founder of Stukent at stukent.com. He's built the world's only digital marketing simulation for students and now self-learners as of very recently. You don't even have to be a marketing student to give it a whirl. Self-study individuals like you and me can create an account, pay the courseware fee, and be on our way with the curriculum and the simulations, even as that curriculum changes. Very cool. Folks, this season you heard the stories of David Tendrich and Lou Levitt of Reliable PSD, Mark Von Brockdorf of Hotjar. Courtney Slaznick of ClickItupAnotch.com, Kaylee Moore, James Rose of Content Snare, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, Brittany Castro of FinanciallyWiseinc.com, and now Stuart Draver of Stewkent.com. Hopefully these stories inspire you to look beyond where you are today. Some of our guests expanded their personal brands into flourishing businesses but what i've most enjoyed about season six is how we've featured several folks who've built their businesses beyond themselves but with their own personal brands at the core i'd love to hear your thoughts on this season reach out to me personally at brandon at co. that's brandon at m-i-l-l-o dot c-o or via twitter at brandon hull and would you take a minute to add your review and rating in the Apple Podcast app. I would love your input and feedback. For all of us at Milo and the Milo Mastermind Group on Facebook, I'm Brandon Hull. Thanks for listening this season. Between now and season six, we'll check in with you from time to time with some bonus episodes. So stay subscribed and stay tuned. So long, everybody.